Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today's episode is sponsored by Somavetic. Somavetic is a device that combines an Eastern approach to health and wellness with modern day technology. If you have a lot of devices in your home, as most of us do, then there are hundreds of signals floating through the air at any given moment. This is called EMF, and some people are really sensitive to it and believe that it can cause some not great things in the body as a result of all of these free radicals bouncing around. If you're concerned with the unwanted influences of electromagnetic radiation or geopathic zones, you'll appreciate Somavetic. Somavetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home. It does this through the controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious stones. It creates a 360-degree field with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. The founder of Somavetic launched these devices in 2011 as a response to his own ongoing health struggles. After years of no success with Western medicine, he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and found a variety of healing properties with stones and minerals. After some time, he was able to heal his body and has helped others as well, and his experience inspired him to create Somavetic. If you're interested in mitigating EMFs and creating a harmonic field in your environment, these devices are a great solution, and they are beautiful. Each device is comprised of their own semi-precious stones with unique properties. Somavetic is a small company, and all products are handmade and hand-assembled in their Crystal Valley, in the Crystal Valley of the Czech Republic. If you want to try Somavetic, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee to let you try. Visit somavetic.com and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com with the code SELFIE for 10% off. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook.
Hey guys, well today we have a fantastic episode of you that is jam-packed full of good stuff for your mental health. Today I'm going to be talking with Elise Snipes. She is the founder of the Radical Wellness Collaborative, which provides therapy and wellness consultations. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's also the co-host of TrailerCast, which is a podcast about mental health that she records in her vintage trailer. We're also going to be talking with BJ about how to improve your self-esteem. That was a request from you guys in the Facebook group to talk about. And Claire's going to be giving advice for what to do if you have skin that is suffering from hyperpigmentation, acne scars, um, other things that you feel like might need a skin overhaul. Today's episode is sponsored by Personal Revolution. It's a three-month podcast course that can help you create a clear vision for what you want out of life. It's hosted by best-selling author and life coach Allison Task, and it helps you take control of your life with inspiration and humor so that you move from where you are now to where you want to be and have fun doing it. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find all the details of the show at Himalaya.com slash revolution one. Today's show is also sponsored by Hero Cosmetics. They have a great product called the Mighty Patch. It's a hydrocolloid patch that extracts impurities so well that you can see the impurities in the patch after you remove it, which my teenagers really love. If you struggle with acne popping up at the worst time, it's a great solution. If you want to try the Mighty Patch for yourself, use the code SELFIE15 for 15% off at herocosmetics.com. All right, well, Rue, how is your self-care going this week? So, Rue, how is your self-care going this week? Um, Actually, I've been very proud of myself because I have been loathe to get into like a really big workout routine, although I, I, I love working out. Specifically, I like going to a gym where other people are and lifting really heavy weights that I do not own. Um, And that has been a struggle for me. So I kept looking online like, oh, maybe I could do some 30-day challenge or some whatever, you know, you know, those challenges you see online to at least keep me going. Totally. But right now with everything, I feel like I'm just, I can't really get past like a week at a time. So I texted a friend and I said, will you do one small workout with me every day for the week. Like not together, just I know I'm suffering at my house and you're suffering at your house. Yeah. And we text each other to make sure it's done. I love that. And she said yes, as long as it's not like a cheesy one, which is very hard (laughs) because there are so many cheesy workouts. So she found an ab workout and she goes, but it needs a yoga ball. And I was like, oh, but I don't have a yoga ball. So she had an extra yoga ball and she did like a porch drop off. And this core routine is surprisingly very hard. and But for 15 minutes a day, we're both doing the same one. I'm rolling around on a yoga ball, which is actually very fun. And it's just one thing that I've consistently done every day this week that has been good for me. And I have a little, I made myself a little thing where I like, I circle in when I've done it and I go, okay, I did it. And she'll text me and she'll go, did you do it yet? Or I'll text her. And the accountability is really helpful because I don't want to let her down. Right. Yeah. But I also just want to do something and it's not like three miles a day. I, I am very bad at moderation. So this is good for me. This is better for me than being always like balls to the wall. I think I'll just train for a marathon. Like, no, I'm just going to do a little 15 minute workout a day and that'll be enough. So I'm, I give myself a, a sticker for that. I totally give you a sticker for that. That's very good. And how about you? How's your self-care doing? 
It's doing okay. I mean, I am, I'm in the the middle of book launch whirlwind, which, you know, I, this is my first book. So this whole experience is new to me. And I kind of thought once I turned the book in, I was like, I'm done. And then everyone on the publishing team is like, now you promote it. Now that's your job, you know? Uh... <laughs> so, you know, I have just been hustling and I mean, it's all good. I, I don't want to complain. It's all, it's, it's a gift to be able to have a team that's rallying around you and booking it's you. Exciting. And, yeah, it's all exciting. Um, but it is very time consuming. Um, and then, you know, there's just the whole aspect of like, putting something out into the world whose success is really based on how other people view it. That feels very <sighs> right. It feels really vulnerable. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's just very different than any, I don't know, you know, when I was a therapist, it was like, there were two people in the room or one person in a room. And if you did well or not, then those were the people deciding. But now it's like the whole world, like yes, anyone on Amazon. <laughs> But you've already gotten kudos. I've gotten I've gotten some really great reviews. Yes, I got um, I was named a summer pick by Amazon, so Yay. that's a big deal. They they named it one of their great reads for summer. Um, I got good reviews from Kirkus and from you know kind of like some of the. I mean, these are all new to me. Also, like these you know places that review books where it's a very big deal if you get a good review from that, which is lovely. Um, Wait, so to be clear, it's like the Rotten Tomatoes of the yeah. world. Okay, totally. cool. Totally, totally. So they could pan you, and they're harsh. And so, I, yeah, I mean, the reviews have been, by and large, great. Of course, I glom on to the negative ones. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I will just say to listeners, if you have read the book, I will say, and I and I wish I had been better about this before. If you have an author that you love and appreciate and support, leave them reviews. It, mm. it really does make or break a book. Um, and I am determined to be better about it myself because I have, I, I, you know, I'll sometimes leave a review, but like if there's an author you really like, that is just really doing them a solid. Yeah, I I guess, you know, I think it would be great if you, if people have a Goodreads account too, to add your yes. book to their Goodreads, that would be cool too. Well, yes, and I will also mention you can just copy and paste that Goodreads right on over to Amazon. You don't have to rewrite it. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Actually, so, you know, I was in this video that went viral and it's largely around me, uh, you know, being undercover as yeah. a teenager and helping law enforcement. Uh helping law enforcement, you know, find predators online. Um, and so it's gotten like 25 million views. And everyone said, don't read the comments, whatever you do, oh, don't read gosh. the comments, especially YouTube comments. But of course, like, once in a while, I'll check in, especially because I know that, you know, I'm afraid for my kids to like Google my name and come across that video and I see. Know. And some like, it could be like 100 great comments. And then one comment where someone calls me ugly. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, you're going to you're going to hold but, on to that. But or, you know, I, <laughs> there were maybe a bunch of people that liked my voice in it. They're like, oh, this is like ASMR. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then someone said her voice is so grating. I'm like, <laughs> Man, you think I don't know that? Please. <laughs> so. but you just you always have to take comments with a grain of salt. You really do. I mean, we did funny like we did the survey for the podcast and we asked right. <laughs> you know our listeners to share their thoughts and 
by and large, it was mostly lovely comments. But one person said something about me to the effect of, she just needs to get on some meds already. <laughs> and that, I, that is on a loop in my head. And you're like, but I already am, though. I would also like to defend myself to that person that I am on meds and have been on meds and I'm always on but you know that's just that's all that's all I hear now like I just need to be medicated I'm so I'm so morose and negative that I'm unbearable but the one the one that and uh, the majority are lovely like everyone that's like oh she's such a she's like that said that I'm like Rue's a a fresh new voice on the show and so glad to have her I was like oh that's so great and then someone said that I'm entitled and they did and i I was like but i was like but out of all the things that you could call me and i have plenty of negative attributes you can just i mean my mom has like a google spreadsheet that you can access at any time but entitled and i kind of wanted to say like but did but did you mean me like me I'm the entitled. Anyway, it's it's fine. I haven't been thinking about it for two weeks or anything. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I think the moral of the story here really is that this is just me and Rue begging all of you to go leave us nice reviews. Go leave oh, us a nice yeah. review on Apple Podcasts. Go leave me a nice review on Rage Against the Minivan on Amazon. Like, it's just the nice thing to do because our our egos are very fragile. <laughs> well, that and I mean, frankly, when it comes to your book and your longevity as an author yes it's it's good for you to have more it is good no yes so leave me a review so i can feed my children (laughs) no pressure (laughs) feeling stressed out you're not alone chronic stress impacts our immune system our energy levels and our mood it can have lasting effects on our overall health our new sponsor apollo is here to help us take control Apollo is a new wearable that improves your body's resilience to stress so you can stay healthy and productive. It's a clinically validated technology that engages with your sense of touch, training your nervous system to bounce back more quickly from stress, going from fight or flight to rest and digest. What does that mean for you? You can stay calm, focused, relaxed, you can sleep better and stay healthier. It was developed by physicians and neuroscientists. Apollo has been tested in multiple clinical trials, and it's proven to improve heart rate variability, which is a key biometric of stress. The Apollo app features seven goal-based modes that let you choose how you want to feel, including focus, sleep, wake up, and more. Apollo is a natural, easy way to stay energized and focused throughout the day and help you unwind to get the restful sleep you need. Apollo actually trains your nervous system over time, so the more you wear it, the less you'll need it to bounce back from stress. You can try Apollo today and get 15% off your purchase at apolloneuro.com slash selfie. That's apolloneuro.com slash selfie for 15% off. All right, what do you Uh, have for um, two thumbs up today? Oh, okay. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, my core routine, I have lived my entire life until right now without a yoga ball. Mm. And now I am, I'm ready to evangelize. One, it's great for workouts. And uh, if you are really interested, I will embarrass myself and show you like a couple on Instagram stories that have been great. I think you're going to need to. But then second, it's fun to just sit on it and like so I've been using it as a desk chair and I'll play music and it's just nice to kind of, I feel like I'm a kid in elementary school who needs like a wiggle seat. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Well, um, they are. And, that's that's basically what they are. 
Oh, well, I I really like it for me. And so I uh, ordered my own so I can give Sunny, my friend Sunny back her, her yoga ball and the kids like it too. And then I, I don't know, there's some I find some joy and just kind of supermanning on it across like back and forth across my room. Oh, it's yeah. like the like the new pacing. Like yeah. pacing, like mm-hmm. pacing, but make it horizontal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that seems silly. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't had a yoga ball and you need a little joy in your life, this yoga this yoga ball has brought me joy. Um, the other thing, and I've mentioned it before, this is a cheap thrill of mine uh, because you know I feel like you and I both have a mix of high low things that we like, like high end stuff for sure, but then also low end stuff. And so uh, the NYX jumbo eyeliner pencil is like, ooh, I have not tried that. It's like four dollars. Of course, and, NYX is so cheap. Yeah, and so now that I'm in this like super, we've talked about this in um, a previous episode, super low maintenance. I'll just do like moisturize, do a little eyeliner, and it's like perfectly smudgy, so it looks a little like eyeshadow. Like I'm like I'm not like I was so casual about it. Like I casually look cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then a swipe of mascara and lip balm, and I'm good to go. So I I really like that. And in fact, I like it better than any expensive eyeliner pencil I've ever used. So wow, um, I, that's, that's I have high it, praise. Yeah, and it comes in a bunch of different colors. I've used it in like the ice mocha and another one of the brown ones. I but I'll I'll link to the ones that I use that I really like. Um, how about you? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, first of all, I'm here to report that you know we are still by and large mostly quarantined, and my skin is going insane, totally insane. And not just my face, my entire body. Like my eczema is so bad right now. My face is like equal parts super dry and breaking out. It's so confusing. And it's funny, I actually went to see my dermatologist about it, um, which was a lot for me to do because I don't like to leave my house right now. Right. Um, And she said, I cannot tell you how many people we've had coming in with their skin just going haywire from stress, which, you know, and I am under a lot of stress with the book launch and then just, you know, the existential stress of of global pandemic. And she said that, you know, she's like, everyone is just, everyone is kind of existentially stressed. And then your body gets inflammation. And then for those of us who have the sort of allergy, asthma, eczema triad, mm-hmm. our skin is just like, woo, party time. <laughs> I'm just right. going to like have a rebellion. So anyway, I decided to try a new face care line because, well, I, and I have all kinds of prescriptions now for my, the rest of my body, but, but for my face, I decided to try this new line. It's called Evidence Skincare, and their whole vibe is that it's all scientifically based, peer-reviewed, published in major re- medical journals, like nerd science-based. So it's not like it's not like a goop, a jade egg that you insert vaginally. It is not. It is okay. not a jade egg. It is not rubbing some random pure oil on your face. It is like doctors and dermatologists. (laughs) Like I kind of felt like, okay, I need, because I have been on the green train. I mean, I'll rub the CBD oil all over my face all day long, but I kind of felt like I need, I need a reset button with like a good, you know, science-based, 
I'm 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 all for science based right now with everything going yeah. on in the world. Well, it's similar to uh, it's similar to how we've all been using cleaning products. Like I like right. my Mrs. Meyers natural right. stuff, right. just like everyone else. But I sure as heck have been Cloroxing now that we're in a global pandemic and people are bringing germs in and out of my home. Like, oh my gosh, I've never bought both. more Clorox wipes in my life. So <laughs> yes. So anyway, Evidence Skincare. They and then what I also like about them is they kind of you can buy it in a pack. So you don't have to think about it. It's like, this is what you do. This is your routine. Like, here's your four steps, one and done. And you can order it for eczema, for acne. So I have the eczema one right now because that seems to be where I'm living. Um, Mm. And I'm really liking it. And then my other two thumbs up is a little nerdy, but it is the Ben Platt Netflix special. He did a concert Mm. on Netflix he is fantastic. If you don't know who Ben Platt is, he played the original um, Dear Evan Hansen. He was right. the original. And um, he just has this fantastic voice. And the concert was just really, really well done. My girls and I sat and cuddled up and watched it. And now I'm like listening to him on repeat. But I have to tell you a random funny story about Ben Platt. So, you know, I use Bark to monitor my kids' phones. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I, I saw you. Did you tweet this? I, I did was tweet it. So I did tweet yeah. it. Yes. So I get notifications on occasion if Bark has decided that maybe my child wants to harm themselves or others, right? Like they're looking for hate speech or bullying or violence. <laughs> so right. they were very alarmed by this text that she sent to this group of girlfriends. Um, and this text chain is entitled Toxic Masculinity. <laughs> And it is just a bunch of budding 13-year-old feminists. And my daughter said, when we kill all the men, we can let Ben Platt stay. (laughs) Which, of course, she was joking. Let me clarify, because I did put that on Twitter, and I did have someone say, I don't think this is funny at all. She's kidding. She actually really likes boys yeah. like a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah. She's, She's not joking. Slenderman. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, it's funny. My, um, you know, my almost 12-year-old, and it's funny because especially the way that, like, I was raised, and now I'm, I feel like I'm raising uh, little baby militant feminists. Totally. But my uh, daughter had to defend this, you know, t- topic in this book. And uh, she's like, yeah. And so the captain didn't want this woman to be on his crew. And, um, you know, and I try to ask thoughtful questions. And I said, well, do you think that the captain was sexist? And she just stops and deadpans. Uh, he was a man in 1832. So, yes. And then she just <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. I cool. love it. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, that's really funny. Cheers to raising feminist daughters. Amen. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription. 
but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral. But what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We wanted to take a minute to talk about one of our paid sponsors, payoff.com. If you're struggling with debt right now and high interest rates are making it hard for you to get out of the credit card debt on your own, a payoff loan may be an option to get out of the debt cycle. A payoff loan is a personal loan backed by member-centric credit unions designed to help you pay off your credit cards. With rates as low as 5.99% APR and loan amounts up to $35,000, there are no hidden fees and payoff.com offers customer support to help you reach your financial goals. Some of the benefits of a payoff loan may also include potential credit score boosting, one monthly payment, and savings from a lower interest rate. 
Go to payoff.com slash selfie to learn more. And no worries, checking loan rates won't affect your credit score. Try something new. Pay off your credit card debt with Payoff. More information is available at payoff.com slash selfie. NMLS ID number 1396805. Not all applicants may qualify. Loans only available within the United States. Loan is not available in all states. Payoff works with lending partners who originate the loans. Additional terms, conditions, and eligibility requirements may apply. More information is available at payoff.com slash selfie. Okay, well, today I am excited to be talking with Elise Snipes. I have been wanting to have her on the podcast for so long, so I'm thrilled that she's here with us today. She is local to me. Um, She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she has a podcast called The Trailer Cast. And Elise, is it true that you actually record in the trailer? (laughs) I record in the trailer, and I actually do therapy out of that trailer. You do? Mm -hmm. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it was a like a, a breach from the traditional mode of, gosh, can I just maybe work on the sand at the beach? And we worked to like renovate this 1953 Bulls Arrow trailer, and I usually park it at the beach when it's not global pandemonium. Right when yeah when <laughs> when the beaches aren't shut down. Yeah, I love that you just said like, hey, I'd really like to work on the beach, and then you made that happen. <laughs> Um, I I like that about myself. I feel like those are things that my husband would be like, oh, God, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, Elise has another idea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so how do your like, how do your clients find you? Do you just park it at the same spot all the time? Or? Yeah. So I mainly I park at the same spot. It's down in the Doheny State Park down Mm -hmm. at State Beach. And then I just Usually send them like a little video of like, here's what you do. Here's how you get there. And then once you find it once, it's like any therapist's office, yeah. right? Or any doctor's office. You just know where to go next time. Like you can never find it the first appointment and then you know where to go yes. from, from yeah. there on out. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. It's such a creative. And you have, I, I will say, I mean, just talk shop for a minute. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, you know, we are both licensed marriage and family therapists. You have done such an incredible job um, just creating a very fresh approach to your social media, your website. Like, I mean, we both know therapists, like a lot of them, their websites look like they were made in GeoCities in like 1997, right? Totally. Uh, Yeah, it's painful. It is. And you've just, I love like, you know, you've gathered this great group of other therapists and it just feels very... It, I don't know. It just feels very modern. Thank you. Uh, Kristen, it's like a, um, there's the way that this field felt like it like came into existence was so, for one, so male dominant. It was. And it has since felt kind of archaic. Yes. As it's like, I mean, it is 2020. Yeah. And when I, I come to like, hey, why do we do this? And does this still fit? And is this the only way to do this? And what if we try this? And I kind of like the the momentum of just trying it, obviously staying within like legal ethical bounds right. that allow us to maintain professionalism. But why can't I work at a trailer at the beach? Why can't we um, talk more about what it's like from this side of the couch? Um, why can't we let people know about this field in a way that doesn't feel so dusty? 
Yeah. And it's so interesting because I think, you know, when I was coming up in grad school, which was 20 years ago, there was this idea that like as a therapist, you never showed who you were. You were sort of this like professional behind a clipboard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were told, you know, when social media started blowing up, like Mm -hmm. hide all your profiles, be totally private. Don't ever let, you know, it would be so terrible if a client, you know, knew anything about your life. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. No, I can remember, I mean, it would blank slate, right? Be a blank yes. slate. Yes. And I I tried so hard to stuff myself into that box to just um, be so good at yeah. doing that. And it. I felt, uh, God, I felt fraudulent. I yes. felt like I was holding back. Like, um, I, I, uh, I want to say this, but but I'm not supposed to. And, and, okay, now I care about the people I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Am I not allowed to care? And... And now, so just, it was such a twisty integration or, or beginning of this work. And I thought, no, no, no. I, like, what if I really did listen to what is happening between me and this person and lean in to what is beyond the blank slate? Yes. Yeah. And you've really, you've set a, a really nice example for me, to be honest, because, you know, I haven't been in private practice for about 10 years. But when I left private practice, I was at this weird intersection where people were starting to find my blog. Yes. And some clients were coming to me because they had yes. found my blog. Some yes. of them knew who I was. And I was mortified. And I felt like, well, I guess I got to just hang up shop here because I can't, I can't have these two things merging. I'll either have to choose to be a writer on the internet or choose to be a therapist. I can't be both. And now I'm watching like this whole new generation of therapists and going, oh, wait, I I could do both. (laughs) Well, you are both. Yeah, I am both. (laughs) And maybe that actually works nicely. Like maybe it's okay if someone knows who I am when they come, when they walk through the door and they know what I'm about. Uh, Isn't that clarifying? Like just <laughs> right, <laughs> wouldn't it, it? It almost the the more I look at it, I'm like it honestly makes more sense. That we it can does. Go, oh, so this is a person that I want to learn from, hear from, trust with my stuff because I I know more about her. I'm not so like, gosh, what does she really think about me? Right. Like, like, am I just so off base with this therapist that I'm like, right? Oh, I don't know. It's a, not a good fit until a year into my work. Well, and then I love too. You're on your social media platforms, which is. Remind me what your handle is on Instagram. Sure. It's Elise Snipes underscore collective. Yeah. And it's like, you guys are doing such great psychoeducation work, even on social media. Yeah. It, so this is like um, the amount of people that will never walk in the doors of therapy for yeah. one reason or another. But where are the people? The people are consuming social media. That's I'm right. consuming social media. Yeah. Um, social media is an avenue for us to to learn, to express, to explore, and to get connected. Um, And so I actually founded Radical Wellness Collaborative, and that's the group that you were uh, referring to, where we work, there's women all over the country, and we work predominantly online, because Mm -hmm. women feel like they can have access to quality care from wherever they are. Yeah. They don't need to get babysitters to Women have to double pay. They either leave their career to go to the, take care of themselves mm-hmm. or they have to pay for someone to take care of their children in order to go take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's, ah, uh, I'm like, no, <laughs> we'll meet you where you are. I love that. I love that so much. So I'm curious to chat with you because, you know, you're still in practice and we've mm-hmm. been in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. And it's funny because we were chatting about this before we started recording, but I just went to the dermatologist because my eczema is going haywire. 
And my dermatologist said, you know, I'm seeing this with everyone. Like yeah. she's like, everyone's eczema is flared up because everyone's under a lot of stress. Yes. So that, you know, that's a dermatologist perspective. I'd be very curious to hear a therapist's perspective of what is flared up. Like what are you, what are you seeing in your practice um, that is resulting from the kind of existential stress we're all feeling of being in the middle of a pandemic? Yes, yes. The so what I have literally seen in my office this week is just a huge amount of health anxiety. So mm-hmm. maybe when we got news that COVID was happening, people were like concerned, and now there's an actual like disproportionate belief that people are dangerous and I could contract something at any moment. Yeah. And it's I mean, talk about the volume just being turned up on like a little bit of paranoia. Like, yeah. Am, am I safe? Are you safe? I, yeah. And, and it's, there's, we're inhibiting natural human connection. Yes. What we're putting in between each other is fear and distrust and all the things that break down human relationship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then it causes us to go inward. So now I'm like a, I'm a closed circuit of information. I'm yes. not looking to find out, like, to verify my facts. I'm coming up with my own facts and saying that that's, that's it. That's law. That's what's exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so massive amount of health anxiety, massive amount of OCD response, which is if I commit to this ritual, I won't get coronavirus. Mm-hmm. If, I, right, if I just do this, then we'll be okay. And it's a very creative way to try to gain control in a right. world where mm-hmm. there is no control. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is no control and there's no certainty. And how do we, you know, I mean, maybe you don't have the answer to this. Maybe this is the question we're all having to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. But, how, you know, how do we find that balance between recognizing a real threat, which is yes. that, you know, we can catch a contagious disease that for some could be deadly yes. versus, you know, this fear of human interaction, this, yes. this fear of being around other people. What, where do we f- – what is healthy in that? Yes, that's so good. Okay, I think it's similar to how we would even go about um, the diagnostic process when we look at functioning. Hmm. So if I am taking proper precautions but I'm actually so uh, kind of stuck or obsessed with them that my functioning is – um, affected, mm. then I'm probably at a place where I'm just over the line of what is quote unquote healthy. But right. Taking the proper precautions and I feel like I'm still able to function. I still feel like I've got my regular set of emotions, my regular set of responses. Then I'm, I'm within like the baseline of what I would anticipate for just do responding and not obsessing. Mm, okay. So responding versus obsessing. I like that distinction. That that feels like something that, that feels like something I could monitor for myself. Ugh, it's hard though. And and how, you know, how is this how is this fear manifesting for people? Yeah. Well, you know, the the way that I see it manifesting right now is it's it, it feels like a collective remembering of every other time I have felt out of control, felt concerned for my health, felt mm. afraid, felt anxious, felt um, like stuck, right? It, it feels like it's all stacking and 
like what we know about trauma, right? That it's so outside of time. I can't tell if that is now, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And so now it's all here and all present. And it's, that is the collapse. I think that's the part where I can't take myself out of right now because I feel everything. I remember everything. Right. And so we're, I mean, we're kind of, our traumas are being activated. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, that resonates with me because, you know, I've had some trauma before. I mean, I was, um, I was in Haiti during the earthquake and, you know, I've had some other times in my life where I have experienced a lot of loss and a lot, a lot of associated hypervigilance. Mm -hmm. And I do, I, I I mean, even as you're saying that it's like, no, that sense memory is present now. Yeah. Yeah. This is. So I think, I mean, as human beings who've lived just enough time on this earth, we're not going to escape that, right? I think every person listening is like, oh gosh, yeah, this is how I felt when, you know, I didn't realize that that was the association or connection I was making. But man, when I was, whatever, when I just had a new baby and I didn't leave the house and I was afraid of someone holding them, when, um, (laughs) for my story, it's like when I was paralyzed and I was stuck and I felt like I'm so stuck, I'm going to do a go so far inside myself to protect myself. Yeah. Um, but the, this is the part that I feel like I've, I'm seeing now. And this is the work I was trying to do this week with some people is we are capable of not only remembering the trauma, we also are capable of remembering our resilience hmm. and the things that have got us through that. What well, we have survived those things. Those are historical. And so trying to make room for not just what I feel, but what I know, what I know is true about myself and what I'm actually able to do in response to everything I feel. Hmm. And so how do we access those coping skills if we feel like they're not, you know, if we feel like we've, we've lost mm-hmm. our way a little bit, like how do we access those coping skills that have gotten us through previous times and mm-hmm. sort of globalize and apply them to this situation? Good. That's a good question. Um, practically, I would start with, you got to figure out where that is. So yeah. thinking about like in your body, if we can identify first, where's our stress response? Yeah. So some of us, will, that's kind of, it can typically sit right on our chest in that mm. um, heavy, hard to breathe place. But, or some people, their panic is in the pit of their stomach. But wherever yeah. you locate that place of, I'm not safe, and then simultaneously scanning head to toe, where is there a place in your body where, where you feel that your inner like hero, your inner sense of, ah, I have done hard things. I'm capable mm. of doing hard things. And wherever you can isolate that spot of your body, and it might just feel like a like a burning or a denseness. It could feel like anything, right? But I, my job for myself is to hold both, that I know that I can hold both at the same time and that my resilience doesn't cancel out my anxiety and my anxiety will absolutely not overrule my resilience. So I, my like philosophy is like, I, I want to integrate that my anxiety is trying to keep me safe and my resilience is actually going to do that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, uh. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> I'm like simultaneously trying to host a podcast and like think through this for myself. <laughs> wait, am I in therapy right now? <laughs> is this a joke? Am I being punked? What's right. <laughs> is this Is this an interview or is this about me? <laughs> it's a- <laughs> Who's 
interviewing who here. Um, that really resonates, man. That really resonates. And you mentioned, I, I love this idea of like where we hold it in our bodies, because I know for myself, you know, I tend to be an overperformer. I like to seem like everything is fine, you know, like everything's fine. Everything's fine. Enneagram three. Um, and so I do hold a lot of stress in my body. What are ways that people can start to kind of get in touch with if it's not, you know, if, if maybe their feelings are not as cognitive, if they're a little more mm-hmm. somatic, what are ways that people can sort of get in touch with and deal with some of that? And by somatic, we mean pre- presenting in the body versus mm-hmm. presenting as maybe a cognitive thought, presenting in, like you mentioned, the pit of your stomach or heavy on your chest. What are ways to kind of pick that apart? Okay. Um, I So I tend to look at this kind of through the, the centers of the Enneagram. So looking at the head center, heart center, gut center, mm. thoughts, feelings, body. And when we, well, one, we need to figure out where we live most of the time. And so some people are going to be a head type and they're going to be up in their thoughts, which is really where anxiety takes place too, right? It's like, yes. I'm, I'm up there, I'm up there, I'm up there, I can't get out of there. Um, then the feeling types and then our gut type, our body type. And depending on where we instinctually go for survival, we might try to flexibly learn how to borrow a resource from the other centers. So if I am predominantly head type and I'm just, I can't turn off the anxious thoughts, my heart is racing because my head is racing, a way out of my head might be to descend into the body. Hmm. So instead of what am I thinking, what am I noticing within my physical body? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or to my heart center. Instead of what am I thinking, what am I feeling? What is in my feeling space? And vice versa, just to kind of move away from where we are tending to kind of stay and fixate on, right? And to realize that we are resource in all three of those. And we're really looking to have integration or alignment so that way my head says, my heart says, my body says, and we are now able to move in a, in a sense of aligned action. Mm, that's so good. Again, feel like maybe um, this is for me. <laughs> you know, this is kismet because how long have we been trying to, to pull something like this off together? Forever. <laughs> it's <laughs> absurd. So this is, this is, it had to happen today. It did. It had to happen yeah. today. Yeah. And, you know, how, how about for those people who are really struggling with, and, and by these people, I mean myself, um, <laughs> those other people who are struggling with the uncertainty and, and the like, lack, you mentioned it, the lack of control, you know, what are ways that we can, in a healthy way, feel some mastery, some control, some sense of certainty in these times when we don't really have certainty and control over some of the larger aspects of a pandemic? That's a good question. Um, Okay, so instinctually, I watch that there are people when they go into I'm not in control, and they either go to paralyzed, I don't do anything, Mm -hmm. or overdrive, I can't stop doing everything. Mm -hmm. So depending on the category, I would try to help, I would try to very kindly reverse that response. If an anxiety, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't do anything, I can't I can't even breathe. I can't like, I can't stop thinking about this. I can't stop watching the news. I can't write whatever yeah. that fixation is. Yes. So we're going to say, okay, so we're going to work towards actually more doing rather mm. than just the stuck place. Yeah. And inversely that if my anxiety says 
I'm going to bleach the kitchen. I'm going to clean every can in my cupboards. I'm going to, how many times have I, you know, cleaned this? It's like, okay, yes, I honor that as a response that comes up. But what it is doing is perpetuating more, more of whatever's there, that stuckness or that overpaced rigidity. You don't know me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we want to ease into a middle space, you know, and like, also it's hard. You know what I'm saying? Well, and one one of the things that I have told myself is like, because for sure, I mean, you're describing me and the overproducing, but it's like, you know, there's, there's a coping mechanism, right? Which is, and for some people it's, I'm going to just check out and watch a lot of television. And for some of us, it's, I'm going to clean the the spice cabinet until it's yes. perfect and in yes. Roy G. Biv order. <laughs> but, um, you know, to notice for myself that this might be a coping mechanism, but it's not moving me into health. Like it's, it's kind of a benign behavior. And so I'll let myself do those things. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, but now then I have to do some feelings work, right? Like, like I've, I've let myself feel a sense of control over my pantry. Yes. But now I need to look at my feelings. Yeah. Well, remember the organizing is comfort and we're trying to feel comforted. So we, that is a, it's a beautiful strategy and skill. Again, until it crosses over the line where I feel like I can't not do this. Yes. Or I'm just doing this until I fall down dead of exhaustion to not feel my feelings. <laughs> I've heard other people do that. <laughs> I mean, like for the friends that are listening. For, yeah. for other people that struggle with that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So um it's- and then I'm curious to, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You're fine. I have an alarm that keeps going off that I apparently don't know how to t- turn off. <laughs> it's technology uh, again. I know. The phones are hard. <laughs> they are. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm, cu- I'm curious about this. So, and, and this is moving a little bit. I don't want to talk politics, okay. but, but I'm, I want to talk the psychology of politics, right? Okay, so cool. we're seeing that people are living in a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing our country really dividing into these different factions where there seems to be a certain subset of folks who are like, I'm not going to live in fear and no one's going to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but, but their fear seems to be stemming from this sort of like, a fear of government overreach, a fear of their rights being taken away. And then you've got another subset of people who are saying, you're all assholes if you leave your house. You know, right. we we all have right. to stay home. Um, anyone who's at the beach, you know, doesn't care about humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like I'm watching and, – and there's a lot of us somewhere in the middle. Sure. But what's the psychology behind people sort of um, in, in a state of – high stress and lack of control. What's the psychology behind people kind of going into their corners and then fighting with each other rather than, you know, us all singing Kumbaya, which is probably (laughs) not realistic. Wouldn't that be great though? Like maybe that's the solution. Be nice, but not holding hands. (laughs) Right, right. But like six feet apart. Six feet apart. A a, a very large campfire circle. (laughs) Not doors. I mean, I'm down to try that. (laughs) Uh, okay, so this is, I feel like I'm maybe going to project globally. Um, the social construct that arises for me is the same idea behind rally around the flag, that as soon as America is hit by something, we're going to go f- rally around the flag. Now, in in the past, that was after 9-11, and all of a sudden, everyone was a patriot. Mm. And 
in this case, I think what we're finding is our own flag. So whatever flag we uh-huh. are going to go to, right? For some of us, that is still the Patriot flag. It is don't tread on me. Um, but uh, I'll say more on that in a sec. Or I'm going to go to the, my other flag, which is I'm more intelligent than you. And mm. clearly, y'all don't understand death. <laughs> So right. It's it's polarized. Um, and there's safety in our belief systems. I think that's why the honestly, I think that's a lot of the reason why the church exists, right? Is yeah. I if I can hold on to these principles or the this scripture or this thing, then I will save myself from the existential dread of death. And so I might put it in an existential box. <laughs> Super optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean that, yeah. And it does feel like I think that's so true. People are rallying around their flags, and one of the flags is science. Completely, yeah, oh, yeah. And then anti-science, and yes. then vax, and anti-vax, and yes. Ugh. And why do we yeah. do that? Why, why, like, why do we? Why do we go harder on that? Because these things are ever present. Always. Why do we go harder on that in stress? Everything's magnified in stress. So I'm seeing everything through a zoom lens. And yeah, like, but look at also how media has changed in the last what 10, 15? years yeah 20 years that it is now it is a place that is a that is full of fear and all the things that we should be afraid of yes it's absurd also a giant breach and how do i even trust the media so there's a there's a massive fear factor where we've totally disempowered a source that could be valuable for us and we have some people that are still like nope this is the truth and some people that are like this is a hoax yeah isn't that interesting too? And then some oh. people who are, you know, vastly between the two. I mean, yeah. I've, oh, sure. I have, you know, I've got people that I'm related to who <laughs> simultaneously think all media is a hoax uh-huh. and yet they're believing, you know, conspiracy theories. Like it's oh, just yeah. this sort of pendulum swing between I don't believe anything, but then I also believe things that maybe yes. have been disproven. Yes. It's wild. It, it is. It, I do like – Okay, so Enneagram 4, Wing 5 coming in here. Oh, I, boy. <laughs> I see it as our best attempt to make sense of it. Yeah. And sometimes we have to we have to erase what doesn't fit because we don't know how to hold it. And I mm. think that that's part of the sense of I can't erase the people that are different than me right now. And so now I'm kind of mad that I can't counter what Mm. they're holding up that me or they're holding up i don't want that to be true Mm. so there's this inability to see it all as an option it's only my option because that Mm. is what is safe when i'm out of control totally i totally see that that's big okay what do you think is you know a lot of us are now um working from home uh-huh. We're spending a lot more time on our screens than we did before. We're having previously in-person meetings now on screens. We're having church on screens. We're having, you know, conversations with friends on Zoom. What is this doing to us? I know. I don't I don't feel equipped to answer that um, <laughs> on a <laughs> yeah. that big of a scale. What I notice in my own home um, is the pace at which the computer moves makes my kids want things to move faster for them in real life too. Mm. So there's such a, there's no delay or gratification when it comes to click, 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 click. Yes. Which is such a precursor for so many things that are like, I, I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, and 
my kids are seven, six, and four. So mm-hmm. I still have a little more liberty to distract them from the screens, take them from like before screens were like, this is our chill time. Now it's like, you can't have chill time screen plus school screen. Like, what is this? Yeah. This is crazy. Like, yeah. I, what is happening? We're unplugging everything. <laughs> We're going to unschool. What is, <laughs> what totally. is the world? <laughs> so, yeah, it's. Well, it mm. does feel that way. I mean, and I'm even finding, you know, when when all of this started, I had a group of friends who wanted to get together on Zoom a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling this weird sort of like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to look at a screen. Like, yes, I I love you and I miss you and I want socialization. But if we have to do it through zoom, I don't even want to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I just stopped. So I had, I was like, I, I honestly don't want to be here. And what, what quarantine has personally given me are boundaries. I wasn't yet willing to set for myself, Mm. but I'm like, Oh, you know what? At least you wouldn't have wanted to be in that conversation anyway. So why don't you just <laughs> honor that and not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the ones I do, I will figure out a, a better way to do that because, yeah, it's been a bit illuminating for me in that regard. Yeah. I, I feel this weird pull to analog. Like I I want to work with my hands. I want to, <laughs> you know, just like I, I really – because I feel like for me – my worst mental health days are days that I have spent the whole day at the at the computer. Oh, totally. And even, you know, it's like, you know, even Facebook and Twitter, and I'm very involved in social media, but it's like, if I'm there too long, it just starts to feel like I'm losing my sense of self. Yes. Yes. That's a really good observation, Kristen. That, I think that that is something that feels very, um, like people can very much connect to that. Yeah. Like, oof. And like, I just need to get out in nature and away from, you know, and, and you know, you, you, the other thing about, I think, social media in, in this time is that it is all, it's focused so much on the pandemic and yeah. news and what's new. And, you know, while, while information is so important for someone like myself, it can just become very overwhelming. Oh, totally. It is too much. Yeah. Like, I, it's too much. I have to be very selective with my news sources and the time of day I'm going to read that. Yes. Um, and what I need to do after I read that. Like, yeah. It's too much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say for myself, I spent the, the first two weeks of, you know, quarantine just like looking at the news every night from midnight till 2 a.m. Mm. And, you know, that's an, an unhealthy um, attempt to control by finding information. Like if yes. I read yes. enough, yes, you know, and then about yes. two weeks in, I was like, okay, honey. <laughs> like, <laughs> just... yeah. Okay. But that's like your resilient self, right? That came yeah. right there and was like, yeah. um, let's step away. Sweet, step sweet girl. Put the phone down. Let's <laughs> hand over the phone. Yeah. Totally. We, we're more creative than this. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let's maybe end our day watching yeah. uh, uh, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> You know that Pre- a pre-quarantine Netflix show where the world is still normal. <laughs> totally. Oh, it's so real. <sighs> well, I, I'm, the million-dollar question I want to ask you, which is unfair because it's a question that we have wrestled with on this show, but I did want to throw it to you sure. to just get your your thoughts on this. Which is, you know, this is a show where we explore self-care and we talk yeah. about what self-care looks like and what it means and and the hows. But the question that has always eluded me is, 
we know, most of us know what self-care looks like. You know, I, I think most of us could sit down at any given moment and write a list of like 10 things we could do that would improve our spiritual health, our mental health, and our physical health. And yet, those are probably 10 things we're not regularly doing. Right. Where, what is happening with our inability to care for ourselves despite knowing what to do? Okay, I love this question, Kristen. This is something that um, I feel like I've tried to solve myself. And so I, I will tell you <laughs> that <laughs> this is my best tack for that. As a woman who has to literally put those ideas in her phone. So when I have mm-hmm. said time that I'm like, Oh, right. Hey, remember all those good ideas? Um, Instead of going into the show hole, what if you tried that? But even that doesn't always work because what I think, part of what I think is happening is this. I don't know that we actually really do know what self-care is for Mm. ourselves. I think that we know what self-care is as it applies to celebrities and um, the motivational speakers of our world and the people that are telling you how to do self-care. And so we borrow all those ideas and we stick them on our planners and we think, I'm going to whatever, you know, this is going to be my, my self-care practice and it's, it's inauthentic. And so we're never going to do it because it's not what we actually need. It's not what we, what's going to fill that niche that is only unique to us. Hmm. So part of what I have thought about is we can't take that step because it's too big of a step. And so, you know, like mother may I, when it's like, Oh, mother, may I take four giant steps? And she's like, no, but you could take two baby steps. And I think that the, the direct pivot for me is what is a half step towards that healthy place? And so I will do two things. One, I'll either take a shower first and just kind of like stop panicking about what is the healthy, healthy choice I should be making. I'm going to take a shower and just figure out what I, what I authentically want to do after I have already like decided to do that. Or before this world, I would drive down to the beach, start there. Mm -hmm. This is my halfway spot where once I get to this spot, I am more accurately able to be aware of what mm-hmm. actually is self-care. And it's no longer what I should do, but it's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in my a place of motivation because I've, I've moved from regimen to like to freedom. Yes. And that is where self-care will actually live is because I am free to make this choice and it authentically feels good to me because I'm acting in like in spontaneity. It's so good. I love that. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> Why? I mean, it's so true for me too. Why can we make better decisions at the beach? <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? All of a sudden, everything's like, oh, I can do anything. I, I got this. I think I got this. Well, and I know it's, di- you know, it's different for everyone. Not everyone lives near a beach. But I, I do believe there is something powerful about being out in nature. Yes. And just like maybe recognizing how small we are <laughs> for a minute, yes, you know. And that, and that the world is still turning and that, you know, leaves are still falling and waves are still crashing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, despite all the things that we are trying to hold on to so tightly. I think it, it's just, um, it's a good reset to be outdoors yes. <laughs> in the world. We respond. I think we just respond. Yeah, like, right. Oh, wow. Thank you. It's such a reorienting. Totally reorienting. I love that. I always call it a, my reset button. when I can get outside. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. And where, where can people find you on Instagram? Um, Instagram, you can check out my stuff at Elise snipes underscore collective or my 
group of like super gifted ladies is radical wellness underscore co. So or just my website, elisesnipes.com has everything. Yes. <laughs> and people can find your podcast on Apple yeah. Podcasts and everywhere podcasts are yeah. at the trailer cast. Trailer cast. Yep. Yep. Love it. Yep. Thank you so Perfect. much. Hi guys, I'm BJ and I'm an emotional wellness coach. I have a private practice with clients all across the states and abroad where I focus on trauma, attachment wounds, and the roles they play in how we show up in our lives every day. I don't know about you, but I find self-care is the most elusive when it comes to my mental health, so I'm here to share in the journey of emotional self-care. So I got a request from someone saying they wanted to build their own self-esteem. And that request received a round of applause from a number of women saying, me too. How many of you were born in the early 80s or before? Remember the self-esteem movement? They came to your school. Usually it was a mom from your classroom. And she came in and followed a curriculum that was supposed to help you build your self-esteem. On another note, have you noticed the rise in narcissism in the last couple of decades? On yet another note, how many of you struggle with comparing yourself to others? So... Are you picking up on something here? Turns out self-esteem's not all we thought it was. Does that surprise you? Let's talk about it, because we still talk about self-esteem. But there's actually been quite a bit of research around it, and it's problematic in many ways. Here's the challenge we've come to understand about self-esteem. Self-esteem is a global evaluation of our worth. It requires us to be above average. That means it's never okay to be average. In fact, the self-esteem movement led us to feel like it's an insult to be average. Did everyone get a chance to hear Kristen's author series conversation with Glennon Doyle? If not, you have to go back and listen to it. They spoke right into this in their conversation about perfectionism. There was a statement Glennon made where she said, when you talk to a mom, and actually we could insert woman, man, or child here, because when you talk to anyone about their imperfections, they will tell you why they're human. They will list their human qualities as their imperfections. Hey, guess what, guys? Your humanity is imperfection. Guess what else? So is mine and everyone else's. This is our shared human experience, that we are all imperfect, but we've come to believe that being imperfect means there's something wrong with us. Here's what happened as a result of our need to be above average in order to feel good about ourselves. When we notice a failure of any kind in ourselves, our response is, something's gone wrong here. This isn't normal. I shouldn't be this way. It creates a separation and otherness that's actually psychologically damaging. We feel isolated in our imperfection when in reality, it is the very thing that connects us to all other humans. So what's the answer? Well, you've heard me talk about it before. Self-compassion, completely different thing from self-esteem. So let's talk about the ways self-esteem differs from self-compassion. Self-esteem is a way of judging ourselves positively. Self-compassion is a way of relating to ourselves kindly, embracing ourselves as we are, flaws and all. Self-esteem, as I said before, leads to comparison. This can also lead to narcissistic beliefs about ourselves. There were actually studies done over a decade ending around 2012, 2013, I think, on the rise in narcissistic traits in college-age men. The results of that study supported the data that suggested the self-esteem movement contributed to this phenomenon of narcissism that is so prevalent today. 
From an attachment point of view, it's especially problematic because it's based on external accomplishments, appearance, behaviors, the very thing we're trying to learn not to do, which is looking for our validation outside of ourselves. Self-compassion, on the other hand, comes from within. I'm not comparing myself to anyone. I'm giving myself the love and validation I desire and I deserve. I'm accepting imperfection as part of my being human, not placing unrealistic expectations on myself. I'm encouraging myself to get up and try again, to recognize failures as a necessary component of success. This is actually how we grow in resilience. Kristen Neff is a therapist and a researcher who has done extensive studies on self-compassion. And the research she's done on the comparisons of self-esteem and self-compassion actually indicate self-compassion is strongly related to positive states, such as joy, life satisfaction, a greater propensity toward taking responsibility, deeper connectedness with others. Self-esteem actually contributes to less connection with others because of the separation that it creates. In fact, self-compassion provides a more stable sense of self-worth because it's there for you at precisely the moment self-esteem deserts you. Self-compassion validates you not for something you've accomplished, but because you are human and as such, you are worthy of love and acceptance in that moment, no matter what you may or may not have accomplished. So as we continue this conversation on our Selfie Podcast Community Facebook group, we'll talk about ways to develop self-compassion practices in our lives. Who's ready? I'll see you there. All right, let's take a beauty question from a listener for Claire. Claire, here is your question. My skin is in need of an overhaul. I'm dealing with hyperpigmentation, mild acne scarring, all around uneven texture, large pores. I use a dermatological grade product like retinoid, hyaluronic acid, glycolic acid, etc. But I just don't get results regardless of the brands I try. I'm thinking I need to take things to the next level after spending enough money on products, some kind of laser treatment, peel, etc. What are your recommendations for treatments that have made a noticeable difference for you? This is really hard to give advice to without seeing the person's face. So I'm going to be a little bit more vague and hopefully hopefully I answer uh, your question. But again, it's really hard to answer this without seeing your skin. But with regards to hyperpigmentation and mild acne scarring, I think you guys have heard me talk about before micro-needling. Micro-needling... Like, I, I honestly don't think I could be more in love with this procedure, but the idea is um, controlled dermal injury. So what it's doing is it's creating like a mild injury to the skin, putting your skin in hyperdrive, having to heal itself. You know, you're building up more elastin, you're building up more collagen, and it really, really helps with acne scarring. Um, specifically, if anybody has that pitting on the sides of their cheeks, this can be just a complete game changer. I have done it a couple of times. I did have some acne scarring. And before my wedding in 2018, I really went for it and did two or three sessions. I think it might have been three, um, along with the PRP, where they do the blood draw, they do the PRP. I will, you know, I will post some photos. I've I've shared them with you, Kristen. I know you've seen like a few days after I've had the microneedling done. And I do kind of look like Frankenstein. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I definitely looked pretty messed up for the first few days, but the results were worth it. Um, if you're going, if you're thinking about doing microneedling, you'd want to find like a good um, medical spa with a registered nurse or doctor that you trust. You want to always go in for a consultation. You can discuss like your expectations. And, you know, they can talk about what's realistic for you. And the price point, 
it varies. Um, we're in Orange County, so things are a little bit more expensive here. But you could expect to spend anywhere from $300 to $600 a session, which, again, seems like a lot. And I know that. But, you know, Botox is actually a little bit more like, well, it depends on how much you get. But Botox is around the same amount, you know, per session. And I do think that the results from microneedling far outweigh Botox. I mean, I'll be honest, I do both. But if I had to choose one, microneedling would be where I put my money. This does um, help with things like uneven texture, large pores, hyperpigmentation, mild acne scarring, all the things that you talk about. Now, this is just one piece of the puzzle. I know that this, um, the member of our group had already talked about using things like retinols and hyaluronic acids. Sometimes we're doing too much to our skin. And what I love about microneedling is it was gave me the opportunity to kind of like dial it back, start fresh. Because once you microneedle, you were on a regimen for about, you know, a week before and about two weeks after that's very minimal. And then from there, you're able to add products back into your regimen. So after I did microneedling, I, I had a very gentle cleanser. And then about two weeks after that, I started incorporating my retinols again. And if anyone has heard me talk about retinols, I, I mean, they are the end-all be-all for me. But microneedling, I highly recommend for this person who's asking about all those different things, hyperpigmentation, acne scarring, I think that this would probably work very, very well for you. Now, if we're just talking about hyperpigmentation, um, an IPL, an IPL laser treatment is really, really good for brown and red spots. So for our fair girls who are, you know, blonde um, or reddish toned hair, and you have a lot of that like um, melasma type coloring on your face, an IPL is a really great place to start. But again, make sure that you are using more sunscreen than you've ever used in your life um, leading up to the procedure and then following the procedure. I hope I answered your questions. I know that this is kind of a hard question to answer. Um, but again, if you guys ever have any questions specifically, feel free to private message me. I love answering your skincare questions. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm overly honest, probably too much, Kristen would say. Um, just about what I've been through, what I've tried, what works, what doesn't work. But yeah, microneedling for the win. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.